Rev3 Adventure offers life-enriching outdoor activities for extreme athletes, weekend warriors, and the casual health enthusiasts of all ages. Each event is designed to unleash the adventure within. Check out Rev3Adventure.com in the show notes to find your next adventure. Now let's do this thing. Welcome to TA1. Everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some on this, our very special 100th episode. And as you're about to hear, we changed it up a little bit. Um, adventure Medical Kit, Racing's Kyle Peter turns the table on me and interviews me. And I got to say, it was a lot of fun to just talk <laughs> and uh, not to uh, hear what everybody else was saying. So I uh, hope you enjoy it. Um, if you're going to God's Zone, you might want to save this one because it'll get you like a tenth of the way to New Zealand on your flight because it's kind of a long one. So let's, uh, I won't spend a lot of time on this introduction. Jimmy's here, Stevie's here, Chili Dog's here. Um, they weren't here for the episode, but they're here now. Uh, only other thing is we talked a little bit about how uh, these trips are funded. Um, if you are interested in helping out, I'm going to do the same thing that I did for Primal Quest. Um, after the race, for 50 bucks, I'll uh, make you a really nice print of your choice and send it to you. So if there's a favorite racer you have or a favorite shot of the race or a team, uh, just let me know. PayPal um, at legendaryrandyericksonfilms at gmail.com and you'll hear we have that discussion later too or uh, send me a check or Western Union yeah whatever appreciate it if you do if you don't you always know you can still enjoy the pictures in the video so um, that's it thanks everybody for a hundred hundred episodes of everybody listening and uh, we're just going to keep after it so uh, go fast take chances and thanks for listening Randy you're there I'm here <laughs> all right Randy welcome to your TA1 podcast interview well thanks for having me <laughs> so. you're on the other side of the microphone today and I have a load of questions here I uh Talk to a few of your past guests that I know are regular listeners. Get some ideas what what the uh, listeners want to know about you. Okay, I'm for that. And uh, well, I'll I will explain this in the introduction. So of course, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. if you skip the introduction, you're really screwed. <laughs> so, all right, I'm ready. And I just uh, I'm feeling a bit under the weather. I think I I have a little bit of a flu. Okay. Um, so I might sound a little funny, um, but uh, I did listen to your last podcast with Emily Korsh, who mm -hmm. uh, gave our team a new name called uh, Tech AMK. <laughs> I got a kick out of that and gave her a hard time. Well, you know, so, it it has been pretty hard for uh, those of us on the outside watching. Um, oh, sure. I, th I think by the end of the Maya Mountain, we were all good. Yeah. Um, so... You know, but it, it it was a learning curve for us. 
All right, so Randy, I think we first met at your first uh, adventure race, Primal Quest Badlands. Um, that would that would be it. I think you probably had done more before that, but that was my first rodeo, so to speak. Yeah, so that was 2009. Yep. Yeah. And were you called Legendary Randy Erickson at that race, or where where did that uh, nickname come from? Okay, that. And it's a brand. Let's not call it a nickname. Okay. <laughs> um, when I first was doing little crappy short pieces, um, one of my joke things I would do is, like a real movie, have like 10 different production companies. Uh, you know how when you sit through the credits, you have all those companies. So, And then one of them I thought, well, it should be Legendary Randy Erickson Films because neither, neither were, neither me nor the films were legendary. So, but uh, I think the person that popularized it was Grant Killian at Untamed New England, because we'd be out in the middle of nowhere and he'd be, hey, legendary, where you at? So um, you can blame it on Grant. And Randy, I'll have to say, since, um, you know, seeing, seeing all of your work over the years, I mean, the, the stuff you've been doing the past couple of years has is, is truly been legendary. And uh, I know some folks in the community have called you the, the patriot saint of AR. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's definitely true. You do a lot for the sport, media-wise, the podcast, and I definitely want to thank you for that. Well, I'd say I'm going to say thank you, and don't give me a big head, but I'm already, <laughs> I'm already there. So, um, and, and quite honestly, I take it all with a grain of salt, but I love playing the game. <laughs> so uh, what, what exactly do you do for work? So my real job is construction and remodeling, heavy emphasis on the remodeling. Um, fortunately, in the last few years, I've been since, uh, yeah, in the last four years, I've done three jobs. Um, I built a cabin for my parents. Then my friend Gary Miller, we completely rebuilt a house for him, literally tore it down to the outside walls. That was almost a two-year project. And now I've been doing another little not little, but a remodel that's, uh, well, I started in July, and that's probably about the time I'll finish it up. So, so you're your own boss. Yeah, that's that's the beauty. I'm my own boss. I don't uh, have any helpers. If, if, I, if I know I'm going to a place, like when I started the job I'm doing now for Mary, I knew I was going to Primal Quest for two weeks in August, and I, just, and I said, you know, I'm going to be gone these two weeks. You know, it shouldn't, shouldn't make a difference. You know, I won't leave anything you know, the plumbing all unhooked or anything like that. And I found that, you know, people in constru- that you're doing construction for, even if they're strangers, um, if you tell them, they're fine with that. It, you know, it, it, the stereotype is the contractor that shows up for two days and then you don't see them for a month. But uh, at least they know where I'm gone when I'm gone for that month. Well, and you're, you're probably doing good work. Yeah. Actually, I get a lot of compliments the the thing that i do is really outs i think outside the box um the people that i work for don't know what they want it and i will suggest kind of weird things um my biggest my the example that i give is at gary's house we put a door between his house and the the mud room and it couldn't be a normal door so i custom built out a two inch pine a four foot by seven foot barn door you know and then it can't have a normal uh handle on it 
So I took a hatchet and buried it in the end of the door, and that's the huh. handle. That's pretty cool. So that's, that's you know, it's it, I find it very challenging to be in being creative and doing different things. So kind of um, uh, bleeds over into the media stuff too, or vice versa, I guess I should so say. So that kind of begs the question, what what's a typical week look like for you with your training, your work, your uh, your married or you have a partner i'm married yeah paulette might not uh admit it some of the times but yeah (laughs) in fact our uh anniversary is in um four days five days six days 14th our anniversary is pi day (laughs) oh all right (laughs) which took us about 20 years to figure out we could never remember what day it was (laughs) so that's a way uh, to do it yeah all right so okay typical week is Generally, you know, I put in a pretty regularly regular work day. Um, although people might know, they've talked to me, you know, I can maybe take an hour in the middle of the day to do a podcast or something, or, you know, um, usually I'm got computers set up where I'm working so I can bang out emails and stuff like that. Um, and it, it varies what I'm doing. Like this week has been, I've been doing a lot of tile work, floor and walls. Um, I did all custom shelving where I'm working, so I had, I, you know, had gone through, made all the shelves in brackets, so installing those, um, you know, it, what I say with the construction end of it is I do everything except for carpet, so uh-huh. it can vary a lot. Um, then generally, you know, that's, you know, 8 to 5, 8 to 4, whatever. Um, then I come home, and we live in the woods, literally, yet... Uh, eight acres in the middle of the forest with no neighbors. So, uh, and you're in Rapid so, City, yep, South Dakota. Yep. In the Black Hills. Um, I always tell people Mount Rushmore, a lot of, you know, a lot of people know where that is. So, well. um, so then almost every night, Chile and I go out. Um, people may have seen a picture or two of Chile. Um, so we do, you know, two to three hours just about every night during the week. And, you know, at least that, if not a little more on the weekends. So um, I'm not the athlete that I once was or once thought I was. But You're a pro cyclist, right? Yes. By pro, I mean, I carried a pro license, I'd, and I would get to race maybe four or five times a year. in Road or mountain? or Road. Um, okay. Like I did the first five years of, what is it, the Philly Challenge now. It used to be core states, a national championship. Um, and that was because I was always good at distance and it never had any speed. So I thought longer races always suited me. So, um, were you, so you were a climber then? Um, no, i probably a roller, you know, I could just get on the flats and just go hard for a long, long time. Okay. Um, you know, like I said, I'd in a hundred mile race, I'd start my sprint at mile, you know, with 99 miles to go and, and I might stand a chance. And so now your training, which makes a lot of sense, is carrying a pack and hiking for two to three hours a day? That's it. That's amazing. I mean, I feel like most racers would really benefit <laughs> from being able to, to do that. I mean, it's hard to, to do the volume. You know, it's easy to go out for an hour run, but yeah. to throw the backpack on and go for two to three hours, that's that's good workout. Well, and it is. And, and honestly, I you know, I, I literally go with a with pack on every day. Thank you, Mike Closure. Um, because I've got it hooked, set up for the dog. So, I, cause mm-hmm. Chili has to be on a leash. So, 
um, you know, I just throw it on, and it, and it is training. Like I say, I'm good. At, I'm really good at walking with a heavy pack on. So, what if she's not on a leash? Um, my fear, and so Chili came from Chili. I think most people know that, and she was a year old, so she was a little bit set in her ways. And I'm just afraid she'd take off after deer, turkeys, or something, and go so far that she wouldn't know how to come back. You know, mm-hmm. I, not that she wouldn't want to, but you know, I could see her running two or three miles, and then it's like, oh, now what do I do? So, we've just always had her on a leash, and she doesn't seem to care. So, um, you know, that's just that's just life for her. She doesn't she doesn't mind. So let's um, let's talk about your history with uh, photography and film and, um, maybe what you covered before, uh, 2009. Well, okay. Way back in the day, I I could put in some little, uh, flashback music here. (laughs) Basically, um, high school days, I was a photographer and that was the days of film. So that's going way back. And I always wanted to do video, make movies, things like that. But in 19... In the late 70s, it was film, and it was just too expensive to do, so I just kind of never did. And then in um, probably 2008, that's when really cheap video cameras came out. The first one I got was like $79, you know, just, and it was cheap. And, you know what, I'll put one of those early, 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 early videos up so people can see that I really sucked in. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then it was just a matter of, uh, then in 09, Paulette was going to do Primal Quest with a local team, so I was I was out shooting all that and putting it up. And um, that led to Primal Quest when they... So had you covered athletic events before? You know, high school basketball, football, okay. that kind of stuff, but but not, not really. I mean, it, it had been... 30 years probably since I picked up a camera other than, you know, the occasional snapshot and things like that. Um, So it had really gotten out of it. But once, you know, digital video came in, it was like, yeah, this is cool. So, um, and now six, seven years later, uh, how many expedition races have you, uh, shot at? Okay. Let's, uh, (laughs) (laughs) okay. Apex in Switzerland, untamed three times. Primal Quest in 09, Primal Quest last year, um, Worlds in Ecuador, Costa Rica, Maya Mountain, um, last three Cowboy Tufts, and NARS up in North Dakota. So, I don't know, it's 10 or 11, I think. So, I count 13. 13? Yeah. Well, I better shoot another one. That's that's an unlucky number. Well, I'm going to shoot another one. Okay, so we don't have to stay on that unlucky number. Yeah. <laughs> but, but then I also do a lot of uh, stuff locally. Like, I, you know, we have a really nice 100-mile trail run, which literally goes past our front door, 60 feet from our front door. So I've shot that the last three, four years. Um, you know, mountain bike races, fat bike, gravel grinders around here. So um, pretty much any of that. Um, oh, Tahoe 200. That's kind of a, nice. kind of an expedition. Yeah. And the good thing with what I do with those is, you know, races don't have any money. We all know that. So I make Paulette race and I'll I'll trade out her entry fee for me coming and shooting. So 
Okay. Yeah, that's it's good. Yeah. Good trade. Yeah. All right. So we have to give you a little taste of your own medicine. Okay. And I say we because you know everybody wants to hear. They're your answers to these, so I'm gonna have them throughout the uh, the podcast. Okay. Best best and worst six hours shooting in adventure race. Okay. And I knew this was coming, just like yeah. er, like everybody else. And the, it, I'm a little different though, because the best came to me right away. Okay. Uh, you know, usually a lot of people the worst do. Um, right. The best was in Costa Rica. We were, and I'm going to say I think the worst was too, but we'll we'll start with the best. We had 11. I think there was 11 of us in a van, um, which kind of was why it was the worst. But we went. We were out in front of the race, and we were going over to catch teams crossing the river uh, by the Nicaragua border, that uh, little ferry crossing, if you remember that. I do, yeah. Yep. So we got there. I don't know. It ended up, we were there like six hours before the French team. I don't remember what they were called. Mimi and Jackie's team, as they're known. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we ended up sitting in this little open air bar in Costa Rica on the Nicaraguan border. They ended up making food for everybody. They had a 13 inch black and white TV that was all snowy playing with a football match on. Um, and then we all got bored sitting there. So we ended up taking pictures of each other <laughs> and um, kind of the highlight of that is Ayakabuda shot one of me wearing her watch it was one of her sponsors that ended up in their website so oh awesome so that was that was the best and i'm going to say the worst was mid camp in costa rica um even though it was more than 6 hours um cuz we were stuck there we had no internet um at one point it looked like the buses were going to go away cuz the drivers hadn't been paid <laughs> So it was a little stressful right there. So, um, see, so kind of shooting, shooting wise, it's been logistical, really, not so sure. much with the people. So, um, we're in them shooting. So, I think that's says something good about adventure racers. So that kind of you touched on a lot of points there that I wanted to ask you about okay. with with the you know doing the media. Is it do you find it hard to balance your time with being out in the field getting the footage versus being in civilization with Wi-Fi updating the fans. Yes, but I have made my peace with it. Because when I, when I started, so in 09, you know, I would be out. Because in 09, what I did is I shot it all and then put together a DVD, you know, six months later. And that's what you did. Um, oh, you know what? I forgot an expedition race. Um, expedition Idaho. <laughs> Fourteen. Fourteen. So when I shot that, like there was one, well, literally twenty hours that I spent with bones on course. Um, How many? Twenty hours. Wow. Because they were doing um, what did he call it? The Survivor Man Challenge, mm -hmm. where they had like eight or ten challenges, you know, trekking, you know, navigation. But it was kind of a loop. They had to, uh, well, they got ice cream. They had to build a raft. Um, they had to dive down into the lake. So I spent 20 hours with them, and that was really cool. Um, you know, it's like I get to do the fun stuff, but now I don't have to go do a 20-hour bike ride. 
But what I have found now is it's we got to do the daily stuff. Um, you know, yeah. it's it's you know shoot something, get it three minutes, get it back, find the internet, upload it. Um, you know what? That's just what we have to do now. So there's there isn't that you know being able to go out you know like Aaron does with you guys. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he does. He did a really good job in in uh, Belize. So, you know, tell him that. <laughs> yeah, you didn't get you didn't get much sleep. I know that. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's yeah. I would I would have loved to gone out there, tracked in, saw the rappel and everything. But that's that's not specifically at 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 the Maya Mountain. That's not what Doug had me come to do. Doug had me come to do daily updates and photos and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, it kind of sucks, but that's my job, so to speak now. So I'm, I'm cool with it. I just, I just, as long as I can get away from the TAs. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) So, and, and get the feel of like, um, the jungle trek, you know, I went in like 2k into the jungle. Well, you know what? You've seen 2k of the jungle trek. (laughs) You've seen it all. So yeah, at least the next three hours of that muddy trip. (laughs) So so that, you know, that leads me into another question here is, um, you, you know, you've been to 14 races. I don't know too many media folks that have been to that many expeditions. Um, so you've seen a lot of different um, styles from event directors. Are there certain things, um, you know, maybe some race directors are, are listening in. What can they do to make the media uh, more effective? Because we're out there to have a great race mm-hmm. and a great adventure. Um but we're there. A lot of teams are there, funded by sponsors that want to see the coverage. Yep. So um, you know, there's obviously a balance between you know racing in Europe, where uh, you're in a lot of civilization, versus racing in uh, the Pantanal of Brazil, where there was literally none. none. Yeah. Um, it is, and I've had a lot of conversations with race directors. Um, you know, go back and listen to the podcasts. You know, like with Warren and people like that and they know it and it is a real balancing act i think for race directors because yeah they they want to sh- take you to the really cool spots but but they know they need the, the so coverage. what what is a what is a race that balanced it really well that you were at cowboy tough does it really good um, okay you know and and it is something they think about. Randy, you have to disclaimer that they are a sponsor of the podcast. That's you... true. All right, yeah. <laughs> disclaimer. Um, but everything cool with with the dark zone and the uh, the overnight camps. The really cool stuff is in the morning. I mean, every year, um, the rappelling, the cave, last year, yeah. Or at the yep. end of the night, where like the end of the night when they were in Hell's Half Acre, mm-hmm. and then the seventy-mile mountain bike rides in the middle of the day, and we all know you don't need much video of a seventy-mile mountain <laughs> bike ride. Um, yeah. So it works really good. Like when Chris Radcliffe and I were there, you know, would shoot the you know shoot the really cool high-profile stuff, go find McDonald's, and have breakfast, and then be sitting there through lunch get it all done and, uh, and then catch them at the end of the night so that uh, that's a so really good a, model as a racer you know some races are, are more organized than others mm-hmm. logistically uh it makes it easier as a racer yeah. it's hard enough you know to get a team of four to to a race 
are there any race directors that provide you some type of media packet or media briefing where they're like, here are the all the spots you can connect for Wi-Fi. Here are all the spots that you know you can access, and they really lay it out. Is there anybody that that's doing that? Um, or are you kind of like rogue out there trying to scrounge whatever Wi-Fi you can get? Kind of rogue, although I would say both the World Championships kind of did that. Mm, um, okay, they would have. Um, places for us to stay at night that might have some or in some sort of a little bit of a civilization. Um, but, uh, you know, other than that, it's kind of like find Starbucks, find, uh, find mm-hmm. the McDonald's, find, you know, wherever. The other thing that I'm finding in, in kind of doing a little bit is if you can find the inter- if you can get a cell signal, you know, I can hotspot my phone. And then pretty much anywhere upload, although there are some bandwidth issues and stuff like that. But um, so that that makes it a little easier for us too. If you can, so, yeah. so you mentioned that you know what for that Tahoe two hundred, you traded Paulette's entry mm-hmm. um, for your your work there. Um, you know most racers, um, especially in the U.S. and in most places, they're not making any money in the sport. They're Essentially, you know, the top few teams are maybe getting their fund paid for, yeah, uh, and maybe breaking slightly even. Um, what What is your your arrangement with a lot of these races? Do you get Do you get some travel paid for, and in exchange, you give them your work, or you don't have to answer if it's, it's no. personal? No. Um, yes, <laughs> that ge- yeah. generally that's how it works. Um, Cowboy Tough pays me, well, and uh, you know it's not a lot, but. The good thing with that, it's like a three-hour drive for me, so it's not much. Um, you know, so yeah, a few races pay. Um, you know, Doug and Julia got me got me to Belize. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it seems it yeah. seems like um, with working with Aaron and our team and talking to a lot of different film crews and you know, Eric and Viv and all that, it seems like uh, yeah, you, you're kind of lucky if you get a few things paid for, but you're really not. You're not making money doing these. You're maybe hoping that you can sell some of your media afterwards to maybe get a paycheck. Yeah. The rule here is is it can't cost money. Ah. <laughs> so yeah. um, is that your rule or Paulette's rule? She brought it up, but I think I it, <laughs> well, and, and it does cost money because I'm not working. But you know, we we made a decision. We're both self-employed, so we'll probably neither one of us ever retire. So it's mm-hmm. like. This is, you know, let's do it now while we can. Um, God's Zone is a little different because I scraped together. I, sc- I scraped together a plane ticket, which is the big thing to go to New Zealand, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And basically, I'm going there to shoot the North, the North American participants, racers. Um, but then God's Zone, they got me a car, place to stay. You know, that that's really you know a lot of it. Sure. Um, then what I do is all my stuff is up online, and I always tell people it's there. Use it, you know. Hey, you know, whatever you want. Yeah. And what I found is I put a I put a donate button on stuff. And mm, okay. Quite honestly, um, and I, and not a lot of adventure racing, but there's like a lot of I shot like mud runs and stuff, and instead of selling it. Asking people for donations is a better deal. Yeah, yeah. And what that does is, you know, 
things like that cover the cost of the bandwidth for the podcast and the storage and and things like that so you know you know at least at least covering some of those costs but but yeah no none of us are getting rich that's yeah that's for sure so you've never participated in a venture race but you're you're a student of the sport and you're always very quick to to offer advice and help to, to newer racers um I mean, you really have a unique experience, and we talked about this a little bit in Belize, but you see it all from mm. the lead teams to middle pack teams to the back of the pack teams that are you know imploding yeah um, you know maybe share some memorable experiences from from witnessing teams, maybe some teamwork or really interesting decision making you know things that stick out yeah right. okay I'm gonna buy one correction. I did do one adventure race in nineteen i think eighty four so. Oh wow! <laughs> I was born, <laughs> and, and this was a guy. He's a local guy, and every year for his birthday, he would do something fun. So one year we did a road ride, and then we did a run across Harney Peak with a basically a Vera Ferrata up over mm. it, and then a mountain bike ride back. And it was like a twelve-hour thing. So I kind of nice. call that an adventure race, but sure. So, so that that's my expertise. Um, <laughs> Okay, here's the two. Well, let's see. Here's the two things that's, that jumped out at me when you asked that question. Is one, um, I think it was running free at Untamed. I don't remember what year it was. And this was a real weird thing because it was Barb Campbell, um, Harper Forbes, and I don't remember who the other two were. And they were just going to go out and get one more point. You know, they'd come across the finish line so i just grabbed the camera and i'll just go get a little bit and they got up and were doing points and they had a discussion <laughs> and, it, and it's in the video i did of the race but basically barb wanted to get one more point because it might have made a difference and they had and, and i'm not going to call it an argument because it wasn't but they went back and forth like you know well if these do teams do this if we do this blah, you know back and back and back and forth and barb wanted to go and i think harper didn't because his feet were really messed up and the other two were kind of whatever and finally barb said well if i was by myself i'd go <laughs> so of course the guys had to go um but it was such an interesting um to see that team dynamic because you don't usually because it you know you, a team is not does not have discussions like that in a TA where most people are. Oh, exactly. And there's also the added element when when there's an outsider there as a cameraman. Yeah. Uh, things are different. Yeah. And I think that's uh, one thing I realized actually from you guys in in uh, down in Belize is I've been around long enough now that I don't think I'm considered the camera guy. <laughs> because well, because when you be guys finish the pack raft. And after you ripped the 18-inch hole in it, I think it was. <laughs> I literally just walked up to you, and Mary started telling me about it. And oh, Rand Randy, you, we love you out there. You're <laughs> like, we're like seeing, you know, our uncle out there. Yeah. It's just, well, it's great, I, you know. I, I know why. Because when yeah. you see me, you know you're not lost anymore. <laughs> Unless your bones at Primal Quest. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, but but I think that's. And that was really early, but I'd, I'd actually knew Barb and, and Harper 
did come to South Dakota to Rogaine. So, um, yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree that most teams would kind of uh, not do that. But and by the same token, if I was with a team and they were really having a bad moment, um, I wouldn't film it. Oh yeah, they'd ask you to stop. Yeah, I sure. I wouldn't even start. I mean, yeah. um, there was a team that had problems real early in in Belize, like eight hours in, and I just walked up and I could I I knew exactly what was going on. Yeah, and it was just like I'm not I I didn't even. So you stop. make make friends that way, but uh, you don't get that that footage. And I know there's other cameramen that just that love that. And I've been in situations they've been pretty heated and crying and arguing, and you know, the cameraman is right there, which adds to the the uh, stress of the situation. Yeah, and I'm just yeah, you know what? I'm not ever going to win an Emmy anyway. So <laughs> all right, I have a couple of fun questions okay. with me, yeah, and then I want to talk about this podcast. Okay. Um, do you have any tips and tricks for taking the perfect selfie? Um, yeah, do about a ten thousand of them. <laughs> um, you take seriously take a lot of pictures, um, mm -hmm. and and you'll get you'll you'll uh, kind of figure out where to hold the camera because if you look at probably ninety percent of mine, you only see part of my face. And uh, that is actually on purpose. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, you know, because nobody really wants to see me. I know it's hard <laughs> to believe. They want to see where you're at. But, but if you get just part of yourself in there, it gives some context to where you're at. Um, sure. And I want to give my mom credit on that because <laughs> she was going through her, you know, the slides from 40 years ago and she's like there's no people in it mm. so um so just yeah whatever camera you're using just practice figure it out so so based on um two pictures i know that you have of me naked mm -hmm. in tas mm -hmm. i was wondering what do you do with i'm sure you have tons of inappropriate ta photos where of course everybody comes into the transition strips down and uh, dries off and gets new clothes on. What do you do with all those photos? Actually, I don't. <laughs> um, you don't have? I mean, they don't even happen on accident. Uh, the one of you was an accident. The one from <laughs> Belize. And it, if you hadn't have started it in Wyoming, <laughs> I would. I would have. I because there was actually another one that would had that showed a little more, little <laughs> little more ass, a little more TNA in it. And I'm like, no, that one doesn't need to go up. Um. My mom appreciates yeah. that, I'm sure. And it, it that's kind of a conscious decision. Um, yeah. Part of it is, is I like to get up close and get, you know, get get faces in TAs, because mm -hmm. otherwise, you know, uh, otherwise, yeah, you know, TA photo goes a long way. So, um, but you know, if I'm looking and if I'm there and I, you know, okay, there's a team. Oh, they're, you know, changing clothes. I I just, I turn my back. You know, I don't sure. care. I don't need that stuff. So. All right, so uh, we're back to another canned one of your canned okay. questions, and, and um, I'm gonna ask this and answer it for okay. you, and that's that uh, the packing question. Do yep. you, um, no matter how much prep you have, are you still packing the night before you leave for a race? And I know the answer is yes because I've seen your night before uh, photos on Facebook. Yep, <laughs> so it is. <laughs> um, 
I think the point has come to the point now that even if I wanted to, I couldn't. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of times you're using the stuff right up until it's time to leave. That is true. Um, you can get most of it ready. You know, I'm, I think everybody's the same way. You lay it out on the floor. But, yeah, there's the gear you're using the, the weekend before you leave. So, yeah. And then then you start packing and you start you take the scale, right? How much do I got? Oh, I can put another two pounds in there. <laughs> so, so this podcast, I think this podcast is one of the best things I've seen um, in the past few years for for adventure race media. I think I've I've listened to to every single one. I really appreciate you doing it, and I you know listen to them while I'm training usually or flying. Um, you've been going strong for over two years. Yep. Um, just. Let's hear the history where it came about and uh, how much longer are you going to be doing them? Okay, the history is, I, I'm a big podcast listener. Um, that's that's what I do when we're out and at work. I think right now, if you looked at my iTouch, there's probably 200 unlistened to podcasts. Um, it, and quite honestly, a lot of them are like film, movies, comedy, some tech stuff, things like that. But I started listening to one by a guy named Mike Creed, who was a cyclist, um, raced on Postal, an okay cyclist. Never, he was really, really good as a, as a junior and never quite lived up to his potential. Had back issues, blah, 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 whatever. But he did this podcast, and he talked to basically all his friends from cycling, uh, and they were really, really interesting. And they really, really suck to listen to. <laughs> huh. I mean, I I think mine is okay. I try not to 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 have not any blasting. Um, thank you, Craig Brycroft, who <laughs> pointed that out. Um, so I think they're they're fairly listenable to. And I thought, you know what? It's not how it sounds; it's the content. And I thought, I wonder if I can. You know, I think I know enough people that, that can make this happen. And that's why, you know, the first 10 or 15 are, you know, people that I knew pretty well from, you know, first one was with Paulette and, I don't know, what were you, two? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so um, so it was just, uh, I wanted to be like every 12-year-old in the world and have my own podcast. <laughs> so so you, you don't do this solo, though. You, I know you have some co-hosts, and... I've heard one of them there. I, I'm a bit confused. There's there's multiple birds and there's a couple dogs and so, uh, what's, so yeah, yeah. Talk about the co-host. So there's two birds. There's there's Stevie Ray who's who is the little cockatiel and then Jimmy Lee. And if you're into blues, you understand that Stevie Ray Vaughan and his brother Jimmy Lee. Um, Jimmy is the noisy one, the one you can usually hear because she sits <laughs> on my shoulder and. And makes noise and stuff. Stevie usually is sitting on my lap, so she's a little quieter. Um, and then there's a chili dog. And quite honestly, yeah, the birds are are not in here tonight. Um, they weren't interested in getting out of their cages when I got home. Some nights are like that. But chili is sleeping on the floor at my feet. So we have those co-hosts. So yeah, I mean it's uh, okay. That's 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 who they are. I think one of my favorite memories from the podcast was when Chili Dog was communicating via bark to I think it was Chris Radcliffe's dog. Oh, yep, over the, over the call. Yeah, <laughs> yep, they were. 
Let's see. So uh, uh, yeah, I, there was one other one too. I think um, it might have been JD. His dog is uh, in the background too. But all right, you're next. I, you've mentioned a few times um, wanting to interview um, certain folks and mm-hmm. haven't. Is, is you kind of have a short list of folks you'd really like to interview, but but just haven't uh, been able to yet. Hey everybody, legendary Randy Erickson here, jumping in with a quick word from Journey Racing. Their Nomad is an epic 48-hour race full of adventure. This race is ideal to get your feet wet in multi-day adventure racing. Just finishing this race will be a feat, and clearing the course will earn you the elite title of Nomad. Expect rugged mountain adventure in the wilds of Colorado. The Nomad will include gravel and single-track mountain biking, bushwhacking, boulder scrambling, trekking, and navigation, and, on top of everything else, a hair-raising guided whitewater trip through the Royal Gorge. Pretty cool. Um, the Nomad will be the race of your life. Coming June uh, 10th through the 12th of this summer, 2016, with pre-race events beginning on the 9th. Check out our show notes for links to the race, and uh, hopefully we'll see you there. I'm going to be there. Um, yeah, and then top of the list is John Howard. Um, you know, I think arguably the father of modern adventure racing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. He just doesn't want to. I don't think he likes technology is my impression. <laughs> um, I'm actually Facebook friends with his wife. And, and I don't know how many times I've asked her. And she always asks. And he always says no. <laughs> Uh, but you know, you kind of get to a point where it's like, okay, you know, I, I don't need to bother her anymore, but, sure. um, you know, I, probably one of these days I'll be sitting here and I'll, and I'll, you know, oh, she's online and say, Hey, is he interested in being on a podcast? And she'll say no, and I'll be fine. Um, <laughs> then the other one I was been trying to get a hold of, and I don't have a good way of doing it, is Robert Nagel, mm. who was... I don't know, the American equivalent, maybe. Uh, I, honestly, all I really know is he was a racer, and the first time I ever looked for anything adventure racing on the internet in the '90s, early '90s, was a list of race races that he put together that was on a Harvard web server web list, something. So, um, so, so those are. Those are two um, prominent kind of uh, early racers, but you know, you, I'm assuming you've seen a lot of the eco challenges. Yep. Um, we, it would be great to hear from a lot of you know a lot of those racers of old, um, kind of see what they're up to now and see. I'm always curious, you know, if uh, Terry Snyder and you know folks like that are even paying any attention to the sport these days. Yeah, and that is um, kind of. And quite honestly, I've kind of gotten a little out of it because it's been getting harder to do is um, have this be sort of an oral history of the ra- of adventure racing. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's something, here's a little uh, behind the scenes with po- with podcasting and adventure racing. It's it's easier to get men on than women. Huh. <laughs> um, Interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was going to ask you if, um, you know, even us getting together for this, you know, we rescheduled twice mm-hmm. and are most, most of your interviews, is it, is it difficult to actually pin down a time and get someone on the horn? Um, 
No, I'd say most of them are pretty good. I would probably 75% of the time it's, it's you know, pick a time, with figure out a time, which can be interesting in itself because, you know, South Africa, Australia, you know. Yeah. But I found a website. I put in my time, where they're at, and it, and it just it gives me – it's an international meeting planner. So I can say, oh, well, in the morning is good for you because that's 9 o'clock at night for me. So that isn't bad. Um, but two that – Actually, two that I've had scheduled and fell through were uh, um, Robin Benesaka and um, Rebecca Rausch. Ah, those would be great. Yeah, and and I'm probably going to try and get back with them both. I think, honestly, they're two really busy people. Yeah, um, exactly. So, yeah. Um, but it is kind of funny. Um, I've been trying to get Sophie, Sophie Hart on, the Hart mm. on the show. And yeah, Nathan's teammate. Yes. Nathan. And she's like, no. And then Nathan sends her an email and is like, yes. <laughs> so um, so I think after God's own, I'm going to talk. I'll probably get a chance to talk to her because okay. she can't, you know. Nathan says yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there, I mean, there's, there's a few other people. I, here's kind of the funny thing is I think Europe is kind of underrepresented. Um, mm. And, and probably South America too, but um, there's a lot of racers in Europe that, that uh, you know haven't talked to, and there and there's honestly there's some that uh, like uh, three or four after Worlds in Brazil that I said let's talk in the spring because you know had a ton of you guys on after Worlds so um, we'll get a little more European flavor uh, for that, but. Uh, um, Don Mann, I wanted to have on, and he actually agreed a few times, and, and I, I just never had a good time to do it. So he was the one I thought about for the 100th, but he's busy going climbing Everest, so. Ah, uh, okay. Um, maybe I'll get him afterwards. Um, Paul Romero. Um, oh, yeah. We've talked a couple of times, just haven't been able to, you know, nail down. Some of those guys, I don't think they sit down long enough to, to, uh, have a conversation sure um, like my closure i had you know we basically did it in an airport between his flights so it was, you know, right so um yeah so there's yeah some people like that um that's that's you know pretty much anybody that i ask seems like you know it's they kind of like it they kind of want to do it so. so and so the majority of your podcast have you ever done one in person or a majority of them phone calls um majority of phone calls the first couple paulette and i sat in the office and did hers uh my friend rick emerson we you know here in town i did um we sat in his office uh i did one first year at cowboy tough with some of the women racers so ah. and i i would like to do that a little more um seems like it takes a lot of time to sit down and talk to people i um I was going to do it in, in uh, Belize, and then, quite honestly, it was more fun just sitting around talking, you know, having that time <laughs> to, 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 ch to chat with people. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think, yeah, after races, um, before, I might, and I might try to do that in, in New Zealand. They got a little bit of time, so maybe just catch a few, few people. Maybe get, like, you know, half a dozen people on one episode just sure. you know, short ones like that so that'd be great yeah 
So it's kind of a evolving. Um, you know, yeah, a few more live ones would be fun. So we'll see. All right, so back to one of the canned questions. Okay. And I've noticed that this one's kind of dropped off the radar here. Um, but back in the early days, you used to ask your guests, uh, what's something none of your teammates, for you listeners, know about you? That is true. And I, and I think it's just something I kind of forget to ask. Um, and part of it is I'd like this to be, I like it to be a conversation. And I, and I think most of the time it is. Um, you know, instead of just, you know, going down and asking a bunch of questions, you know, having this, I don't want to have the same questions for everybody. Um, and I, and I, I think maybe it, it maybe was cause people weren't coming up with an answer. Um, you know, and my favorite to this day is, is Mark Latanzi because he was a champion ballroom dancer. <laughs> <laughs> so what's, what's yours? Ah, oh. Hmm, something that nobody knows about me. Man, I don't know. I'm kind of an open book, aren't I? <laughs> oh, I'm sure there's something. Um, I was a redneck cowboy in high school. Did you do rodeo? I didn't do rodeo. No, I was into the... No, because I'm not a rodeo. But I had... I wore my cowboy hat. I had hair down probably to the middle of my back. <laughs> Which, Did you chew tobacco? Didn't chew tobacco, No. Oh, okay. Here's something I think a lot of people know, but I don't. I don't drink. Teetoter. I'm a, and I always have been. Just huh. not your style, or no. I think part of it is my first job when I was 13 was working in a beer warehouse, uh -huh. and there's a lot of skunk beer in beer warehouses. So. Oh, the smell. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. So. Um, I got those. Let's see what else is there. Um, I don't know. I'm pretty open. So. <laughs> it is a hard question. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, I, you know, this day and age with with um, social media, everything's pretty out there and open. Yeah, it is. So, um, hmm. so um, I want to talk a little bit about um, kind of the current state of World Series and when all that. And mm -hmm. uh, while we were in Belize, um, the World Series announced a change to the nationality rule for uh, 2016's World Championships. Mm -hmm. And so um, the past couple of years, um, the requirement was you needed to have two from the same country um, to race at Worlds, and now it's it's three. Yeah. Um, you... It's a great rule if you're New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and it was weird because... I was thinking about that just before it came out, and I and I, I don't even know if I asked somebody or something, but I thought that kind of went away. Good. Um, well, you know what they, you know, it came on full force, mm -hmm. and then they kind of backed off. Yep. and They said we'd reevaluate it at every year, um, and so the reevaluation for this year uh, came out, you know, in February um, for the race in November, and said you need three. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so. Uh, of course, you know, that affects a lot of, uh, well, the stats are from the past two races, there's only been two or three teams that wouldn't meet this qualification. Hmm. Um, Columbia is one. Yeah. Um, the new team Technu, I'm not sure um, that they could be possibly one. Yeah. Uh, Adventure Medical Kits, um, this would affect us. 
Um, you know, there's a lot of talk now in North America about different team configurations um, to kind of meet that rule. Yeah. Um, and I just, yeah, I didn't know if you know a lot of the listeners knew about it or, or that affected them. Um, so. Yeah, it, it does. I, and I think, quite honestly, I think it affects the U.S. more than anybody else because our the pool is so small of elite world-class racers um mm -hmm. it just and i and i i see the original intent is because if you're going okay the theory is if you're going to grow the sport it needs to be a you know an olympic sport and i know you can't see my fingers doing the the quotation yeah. mark it ain't gonna be it no. just it just never is and so why worry about it um and I, you know, they they should have announced it like two weeks after last year's Worlds if they were going to do it. I think the timing sucks a little bit, um, or a lot maybe. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, yeah. I I I'm going officially on record as saying I think it's a dumb rule. <laughs> so, uh, I I understand the point, just like mm -hmm. you said, the intent. Um, but this sport is still so young um, and small. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, anybody I tell that I do adventure racing, they ask what that is. Yeah. They don't even know that the sport exists. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a very it's a very young sport. Yeah, I think the I the model is going to will be more um, like I talked with Warren Bates of a triple crown of adventure racing. Um, so this is kind of something that would be a separate series from the World Series as we know? I think so. Um, and maybe they're qualifiers, or, or, the, or they could be part. I think Warren's idea is you got to have three international adventure races, you know, God's Own, XPD, you know, pick, pick another one. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think originally, you know, Primal Quest, because that's, that's the one known in the United States. Well, we'll see what happens with Primal. And it's a triple, there, it's a triple crown. you got to win those three races in a year. And something like that, if, if Adventure Medical Kit wins two races and they're going into the third race, you know what? People might actually pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. So... Um, well, but, I mean, that I feel like that does exist in the World Series and... and I personally, with the teams I've captained over the past five or six years, have really embraced the World Series. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this year we're, we're doing four World, World Series races, yeah. so three qualifiers and the championships. And, um, A, not many people can do that many races, mm -hmm. um, and, and just time-wise, and then, B, you know, to be able to afford it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's I think that plays into the uh, nationality rules because – you know, you need what you've got seven members on the team. Uh six, six. right now, including yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you need. And can you find six world class? Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. You can find six world class adventure more adventurers in the U.S., but to find them that can do all of them, or you know, well, exactly. do more than that's one. That's it. So, so. Um, yeah, I mean, of our six um, athletes. Um, me and Mary are really the only two. Yeah, we are the only two. They're going to do all four races. Yeah. So, 
you know, some can only do maybe one expedition a year. So, um, yeah, it's, it's difficult. And I remember when I was first getting into endurance sports, um, back in college, you know, reading about, oh, you should only ever do, you know, two marathons in a year. Yeah. Well, shoot. Now we run, you know, marathon distances once a month. So, um, yeah, it makes, makes you wonder. And, and the recovery, you never quite know how you recover after an expedition either. Yeah, I kind of think adventure racers are a little, um, you don't go by the book, let's put it that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay, let's say, um, well, can't say next week, but, you know, sometime in the middle of whenever, there's two really cool marathons, 20, you know, an hour from your house, one was on Saturday and one was on Sunday. You wouldn't think twice about running both of them, would you? <laughs> Yeah, it depends, but yeah. But you know what I mean. If they're really cool races, you, you know, and, and most people, yeah. yeah. Oh God, you, you know, can yeah, I run? A, can I run a five k the week after I ran my half marathon? And you well, know. It's, it's a perspective change. Yes, you know, there, absolutely. There's folks that'll train all year for one five k run, yep. and then you know, a lot of adventure racers. I mean, they race for different reasons, but most of us truly race for the experience mm-hmm. and to explore new areas and. um just to have a good time and bring home all these different stories. Yeah. That I think it, adventure is, yeah. it, it is not race and adventure. You're adventure racers. <laughs> that's kind of, well, that, that's kind of stupid, that, but I like it. That being said, I am really looking forward to, um, Craig hosting, um, his own world championships in November yeah. in Australia. Um, sold out in 15 minutes for, yeah. for the Australian entries. Um, are you going to go to the race or still to be determined? Uh, to be determined, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'll probably guilt Craig into something maybe, <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, I don't know. I'll just, uh, here's the thing. Um, like I can beg and whine and plead now, you know, for money to go, but at least I don't have to explain who I am. Sure. So that's, you know, that's that's the bonus so i'd really like to go i think i think it's it's probably going to be the the race of the year i think because i I can see it's going to it would probably will be a real race Mm -hmm. and if they really have over you know 90 or 100 teams i think that might be the largest expedition race in history yeah yeah so um hi craig send me an email (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. So now I wanted to do, um, I've heard this on a few different podcasts okay. that I listen to, uh, rapid fire session. Okay. So I'm going to ask you, uh, I think eight questions or so, okay. and I want you just to give me a short, quick, uh, quick answer without thinking about it too much. Okay. Lightning round. Yeah. Lightning round. All right. All right. Uh, a race you haven't been to yet, but it's on your list. Um, Expedition Africa. All right. Your proudest athletic accomplishment back when you were racing uh, bikes? Uh, Masters World Champion, 24-hour mountain biking. All right. Where was that? Silver Star. Okay. Can I expand a little bit? Yes. Okay. So. <laughs> it's your podcast. <laughs> so I went, it, I qualified in Colorado and, and the worlds were like five weeks later. Um, so I went up and did it. Miserable weather. But Yeah. Won the world championship for the Masters. Cool. Great. Next year comes. This is like 2002, I think. So next year, I'm like, I'm going to go defend my championship, right? That's all I did all year is train for that one race. 
and went to it and like an hour into it laying on the side of the trail with a bummed up wrist which still bothers me to this day um, crying uncontrollably because it wasn't my day so I always I I guess maybe it's a little bit of a humble brag but if I, I let you know if I mentioned it or am asked if I won one it's like yes the next year sucked so okay all right so back to rapid fire okay proudest media accomplishment proudest me um okay doesn't have to do with adventure racing but i did a documentary on a lakota um native lakota indian rapper who is making a big difference with the kids on the reservation huh. um and it got it into like four film festivals Awesome. Um, and I, it probably has actually made a difference for a few people. So, yeah, that's that one. Favorite interview on the TA1 podcast? <sighs> hmm. Well, let's see. Um, well, I should, probably should say Paulette because she's the first one. Um, of course, yeah. So the sec your second favorite. Okay. Probably the two with Warren Bates. Um, All right. He was... They they felt like journalism kinda. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, here can I can I ask myself one? Yes. Quick rapid fire. Who's been on the podcast more than anybody else? You know, <laughs> Randy Randy Erickson. No, Mister Kyle Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Second to you, of course. Yeah, that's true. Okay, guest. <laughs> okay. All right. Next question. Um. I poked on Instagram earlier today and noticed that your last post was 106 weeks ago. Why is that? Don't use Instagram. Um, Why not? Because it's one more thing to use. <laughs> um, and and if, I, if I posted on Instagram, the only people that would see it would be if I connected it to Facebook. Um, so I just post on Facebook. Okay. Um, for, that's where everybody that I know is. Um, it's like my Twitter I've got like 178 followers and 160 of them are on Facebook. So, Okay, so I understand you uh, are into monster trucks. How'd you get started with monster trucks? Um, okay, can we make this a little bit longer? Yes. I like motorsports. Yeah, whatever, right? <laughs> we all have to have a hobby. But I don't want to go sit in the stands and watch because that's boring. So I just started doing things like when the monster trucks, like four years ago, they're coming to town. I find the promoter and say, hey, can I, uh, you know, have a pit pass? I'll come shoot pictures, video, whatever for you. And actually, the monster truck guy and I, that's actually become a paying gig. So, um, awesome. but the things like um, motocross donations, which is like the motocross world championships, were in Denver four years ago. And I wanted to go. But it's boring sitting in the bleachers watching. So I sent emails to some of the smaller countries. Team Canada was like, yeah, you can come down. So I came down, had access to everywhere on the track, all the pits, all them, put together a DVD for them. Um, so it's, it's, it's a way to go to events and um, be inside the fence, I like to call it. So. I went to a monster truck rally once. I remember uh, a grave digger. Is he still around? 
he's still around um quite honestly this the ones that come here are like the triple a of trucks grave diggers like major leagues okay um, but that being said it's kind of cool because you have a little more access to them sure uh, sure like the one last weekend you know i was putting cameras in inside the trucks and uh oh wow you know so it's just it, look at my profile picture i'm sitting in uh, skeletor inside the cab <laughs> <laughs> nice. but, so it's it's yeah it's a way to go and i do that you know any kind of event that i kind of want to go see and be up close so. that's a great angle it is all right two more rapid okay. fire questions um what is your favorite rules of ar in your series you started on twitter um oh this sucks because it's not my rule oh okay cheat i have two and they're both neither one of them are mine they're both from maya um, Andy Bacon was having a hard time and he said, S sometimes your inner voice shouldn't be, uh, allowed out. <laughs> and the other one was, um, never go near the fire. Oh yeah. That's a classic. <laughs> so, and I'm going to try to get to a hundred. <laughs> nice. So, and you're at 30, 30 35. Yep. Okay. So, but I've given up doing one every day, but I'm trying to do them like every other day. So. We'll see. <laughs> and I think we addressed this, um, but your favorite race director to work with? Oh, man, you're going to get me in trouble. No. Okay, I'm okay. here I'm going to cheat. I'm going to go international and domestic. Okay. Um, Warren Bates at God Zone. Um, you know, I th he probably puts on the race that everybody in the world is on everybody's bucket list, right? with God's own. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, I really Except love, that. love his ideas that he has going on and, uh, his passion. Oh, you're going to get me in trouble. But I'll also add with Warren, not only is he a race director, he's also a very competitive elite racer in the world series. Yes. yes. Which is something pretty unique. Yeah, exactly. Which I think translates, you know, Mm -hmm. Not all racers make good race directors, but I think uh, it can certainly help. Yep. Okay. Um, okay. Um, Mark and Mike from Rev3. Okay. <laughs> um, who's your second? Or you, who's your second? Um, Grant Killian. Oh, man. Okay. But then there's Doug and Julia, you know, <laughs> and there's Maria. And uh, that, that's that's kind of a cheaty question. Come <laughs> on. Uh, but uh, yeah, they all have their good. They've all been good to me, and I think they've all do good races. Even more importantly, so um, yeah, I know it's a cheat. <laughs> well, Randy, congratulations on your your hundredth podcast. Okay, um, well, thank you. How many How many are you gonna get to? I don't. I'm I'm gonna go till it's not fun. Mm -hmm. um, so. You know, it, and it is. Every once in a while, it's like, oh, man, I got to find somebody. <laughs> Wait, and, I, you know, but and, and but the, but it's kind of fun. Um, sometimes I get a few people, you know, some non-AR people, uh, and that's fun. But and there's a ton of people on the list from AR that I haven't talked to. That, you know, I, I literally do have a list. So, mm -hmm. um you know? And I just, just want to add, and I'm guilty as well, but um, we all, all of us regular listen, listeners should definitely be donating for the work that you're doing for us. And 
Uh, I know a big problem with podcasting is, uh, like I said, most of us are listening to it on a device while we're out doing something else and not in front of a computer um, to give a donation. Yeah. Um, so I, hopefully everybody can, can take some time and throw Randy a few bucks. I mean, if, if everybody threw him a, a couple bucks um, that listened to some of his more popular podcasts, he'd, he'd have a couple grand. And I think that would help uh, Randy come to more races and, and share more of, of our experiences with our fans. Yeah, that's that's what I want to do is come hang out with real athletes. <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, I, I I guess we talked about this, but um, Belize was so cool because there was time before the race and time after the race to sit in the pool, especially after the race, sit in the pool for a couple hours and just there's kind of this this rotating mass of people, so there's all these conversations that just kept kept flowing which is where this podcast came from ah because we were sitting there um it was late it was really late there's only like one beer left <laughs> and i was telling people <laughs> about this and and uh you know who should i get for the hundredth and and uh your teammate your teammate jared was like well why don't you have kyle interview you and i'm like damn them australians are smart yeah, that was a good idea. It was. It was fun, too. So um, while I'm thinking of this, and maybe this will help influence other people, I'm in my PayPal account right now. Okay. And there's a few pennies left in there that I haven't had to give back to my teammates. <laughs> um, so uh, how do I? who do I send a donation to? Um, just do Erickson. Well, it's, yeah, do the Erickson.Randy at Gmail, and it's S-E-N. And if you can't remember that, you can do legendary Randy Erickson films at Gmail. So. Let's see. I have Randy dot or Erickson dot Randy at Gmail. Yep. Send a little something there for you. We use it. All right. Thanks, Randy. Well, thank you. So this is a. It's kind of fun. I get sometimes when I'm uh, chatting, I don't want to. I don't want to talk too much because I want a, the guests to talk. Mm-hmm. So. I don't care tonight. I'll talk all I want. <laughs> oh, you know what? I want to. There's one thing. Um, yeah, I'll bring it up because <laughs> a couple of people have noticed it. The music afterwards. Intro or outro music? Well, the outro, the song at the end of the of the podcast. So there's been maybe two or three people that figured it out that that there's always a connection to the guest. You know. Early on, I remembered uh, I, I knew there was a connection, yep. but then I thought maybe you stopped doing that, and it must just be because I couldn't figure out the connection. And that's very well be because people know how my mind works. Huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. So, but it, I was pleased, very pleased. Somebody sent me an email one time and said, "Is this why you played this song?" Huh. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, it was. So. Yeah, you actually had a uh, a guest on uh, Dave Hitchin from Canada, mm -hmm. um, and he actually mentioned that he really enjoyed matching up the songs to the guest. Yeah. Before he mentioned that, I I didn't know about that. Yeah. So, it's out there. So, so if, do if, I get a pick? Do I get a pick the outro song for you, or do you have one in mind? You can. Yeah, you can pick one, and I and I have one. So we'll it'll be a double, will be a double uh, musical outro. So just yeah, just send it to me and I'll put it in there. So, so 
PayPal is not liking the Ericsson.randy at Gmail. Huh. Well, S-E-N, E-R-I-C-K-S-E-N. Yeah, I copied it from Gmail. Huh. Um, that sucks. PayPal. Maybe that's why. <laughs> we'll try the legendary Randy Erickson films at Gmail. I know it's a long damn email address. <laughs> yeah. Legendary, say it again. Legendary Randy Erickson films. All right, I'll get that going. So. Well, this is cool. The other good thing yeah. is uh, get to see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's right. This, this one was, um, God's Zone was a little freaky because usually, you know, I know if I'm going to a race, I know months ahead of time. And the God Zone thing came together like just the week before I went to Belize. So it was like, you know, five weeks of thinking about it. So, and I just got my accreditation from Margo today. Thank you, Margo. Oh, great. And I, hey, Margo, if you're listening, I want to ride on the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> Have you filmed from a helicopter? No, I haven't. So, seaplane. Oh, can I tell my seaplane story? Yeah. I think this is when I became really legendary. <laughs> um, two years ago at Untamed, Grant always, for two years, got a, a seaplane to cover the start with. So, we're flying around, you know, they're, they're canoeing. And shoot it, and we're up there for about 45 minutes, and the, the pilot's like, well, you had enough? And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. Let's go back. And he goes, well, you want to go down and get on the boat? I'm like, well, sure. So he lands down, taxis up next to the boat. I crawl out of the seaplane <laughs> crawl onto the boat. And there's a half a dozen people on the boat, and they're just like, what the hell is this all about? <laughs> it's like, hey, all in a day's work. Yeah. So, Legendary. There we go. So. All right, so the legendary Randy Erickson films at Gmail uh, worked. There you go. Or right. or, I, or I sent it to somebody else. Well, that's my that's me. Because there is there is actually a website under that name that has nothing on it but a picture of chili. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I thought at one time I better have a website, and it's like why nobody goes to websites anymore. Yeah. So. Perfect timing. I just hear Paulette coming home. All right. So, well, thanks, Kyle. This is this has been fun. We'll make a yeah. date. We'll make a date for two hundred. All right. Sounds great. All right. Well, send me your song. All right. Good night. Oh wait, you you got to do the yeah. outro. Oh yeah, Randy, go fast and take chances. I will. Thanks. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Dark horse in the Dakota town White lights are coming down The long man surrounds you now But I won't do you wrong Baby, don't do me wrong
Joe Ace of Face right there for you.